Oh, hi ho officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business, just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. What, were they psychos? Or... They look like psychos? Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just... Lola Stone. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yes. So, tis the season for Stabby Santas, so we've decided to bring to you our best and worst of holiday horror. And of course, there's there's been a real glut of holiday horror, I've noticed, in the last couple of years. Me and chainsaw we're talking about that the other day it seemed like there was like one or two that came out in like the 90s and 2000s but suddenly mm -hmm. in the last like probably 10 years it seems like there's at least a couple new ones every year i guess they finally were like hey people like this we should start making them you know churning them out um which is kind of a good thing but it's also kind of like there's some really bad ones that come out like really you know horrible low budget ones so we will talk about those as well and of course i'm sure we won't cover all the good ones so if we miss one of your favorites we would love to hear from you because i will certainly watch it sure so you guys want to start with the good part the good ones first all right okay i will chip in my first good one let's see okay i'm gonna just start with my all-time favorite because i just love it so much santa's sleigh i love it oh so much fun i only watched it uh probably like three years ago maybe for the first time ever and i've already seen it like every year since and it's got like one of the best opening scenes in like any horror movie like, all of these kind of, like, you know, C-list actors are all just killed in, like, two minutes. <laughs> and it's hilarious because oh they're <laughs> mostly unlikable actors, <laughs> like um, Chris Kattan and um, Fran Drescher. And so, yeah, you're like, these, these people are in this movie, but then they immediately die in hilarious ways. And, you know, that, what's his name, Bill Goldberg? He is such a good bad Santa. Like, he is, like, truly scary. Um, but also, mm. he's kind of, like, got that Freddy Krueger type thing, you know, where he's scary, but he's also funny. Um, 
But yeah, I just love I had only that ever movie watched to death. Because you had I'll probably it. watch and it like sometime in the next couple like, of days. I mean, it's Goldberg <laughs> being a bad Santa and killing people. You can't really go wrong with that. And I think you were telling me about one of the kills was um, the kill with the stripper pole. And <laughs> I, that kind of sold me on it right there. I was like, kills a guy with a stripper pole. I mean, you, you, you got to love that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's he right. He wipes down the stripper right. pole before he uses it, too. He he yanks it out of the ceiling, and then he looks <laughs> at it, and he realizes, oh, some, this is a stripper pole. Someone's used this. So he, he picks up the Windex, <laughs> gives it a couple squirts, wipes it down, and then uses gonna it. going to have to watch that movie again this weekend. Also, one of the... Oh, it's so good. One of the uh, people in the very mm-hmm. first, in the opening scene was James Caan. And I, I, I listened to the director's commentary. I don't think they explained how the hell they got James Conn to come do their silly over-the-top Christmas movie. But uh, in addition to that family, he the, the next two kill scenes are all scenes where Santa is the sympathetic character. He kills a, a mugger, and, and then the, the next family that he kills are really unlikable characters, too. So we're, we're meant to cheer for the main characters, but Santa is also for the first 30 minutes of the movie, killing people who it's fun to watch him take apart. Then, yeah, eventually he's just yeah. equal opportunity. <laughs> you're like, maybe he'll yeah. kill all yeah. the naughty people, but then he just starts killing everybody. And you're like, <laughs> he has no, he has no agenda. He's just there mm-hmm. to murder. I really like the, like, totally different take on the mythology too, because there's just so many basic, um, you know, murderous Santa Clauses that are like random dudes in a Santa suit and there's no real good backstory other than, you know, Santa murdered their parents or something. But, um, I like that whole bringing in like supernatural element. Like, no, this is actually, this is the real Santa Claus, but he's a terrible creature. Yeah. The story (laughs) was he lost a bet with an angel a thousand years ago. And that's the only reason he was being nice for the past thousand years. And there's one guy in town a tinfoil hat wearing old grandpa who who knows about this and he knows this is we his his bet has expired his wager is up and now he can go back to being evil again and he throws coal that is um, grenades he throws grenades at people in the strip club and he breathes <laughs> fire and he instead of reindeer he has a giant oh, yeah, blue that's buffalo right. and he runs people that. off the <laughs> He has very macho-looking, gigantic, one buffalo. And one of the people, one of his first kills, one of the people who we, we enjoy watching him kill is this mean old lady who she's really shitty to this very pleasant, sweet deli owner and the two young people mm-hmm. who work there, the two main characters. And then, for some reason, Santa decides to ride his flying buffalo, but on the street, and he's behind this old woman this elderly woman who's mean and vitriolic, but she drives like hell. And so he gets road rage with her and he sends her into the ditch. I know, but then he kills the nice deli owner guy. That's like that guy from so many TV shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I could not tell you what he's from, (laughs) but he's just like, you automatically recognize him. Um, Is that the guy from warehouse 13? Like I've never seen that. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Let me Google it. There's there's just no way to tell. Anyway, keep talking. 
I, I also had this thought, um, it kind of felt like an 80s movie, you know, like, the kid has to, like, get his wise old crazy grandpa to, like, save the day, and it's just weird, it came out in, like, 2005 or six. it did not feel like a movie of that time, hmm. it felt like it came out and, like, kind of reminded me of, like, Gremlins or, like, you know, something along those lines. That's all. It does have that small town vibe. I'm a, I'm a, such a sucker for small town mm-hmm. movies, horror movies or otherwise. But I just like Children of the Corn, which is not a good movie. But I love hmm. small, desolate, middle of nowhere towns. I love that in Halloween Three, Children of the Corn, even um, uh, the yeah. Vampire Alaska, Thirty Days of Night. I just love like teeny little. Speaking small of which, towns. we were just talking about Barrow like five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Because it's actually like 66 days of night. <laughs> I don't know why they changed it, because that's scarier. Mm-hmm. I love that there's three yeah, films I... about um, the Alaskan like light darkness schedule. There's 30 days of night, and then also insomnia. There's Ooh. also two insomnias, so wow. it's actually three movies. <laughs> Never seen insomnia. In- insomnia is oh so good. I know. It's so incredible. This is why it's, I had that other podcast. Like, <laughs> it's directed by Christopher yep. Nolan. And it's got Robin Williams mm-hmm. and, what, Al Pacino. And it's so flipping good. Also, Robin Williams is a bad also, guy. Also, Hold the Dark is also <laughs> about um, how scary it is to be in remote places in Alaska. I haven't seen that. I heard it was, like... It was garbage. it was one of those movies where it's really good, but it's not something that I would watch again. Um, yeah, it was really good, but I just I don't feel the need to see it again. Um, it was slow, but it was also really unexpected and really interesting, and is very much about the psychology of being somewhere that remote. Um, it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool. I would recommend it, but yeah, it's it's very slow and very strange. Right. Well, yes, we sorry. That on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save the Alaskan themed movies for another very short podcast. <laughs> so, um, who would like to go next? And we're all like looking at our notes. <laughs> um, I'll go. Um, I am. A huge fan of Rare Exports, and it is yeah. one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. And uh, I, I love that it is a in an entirely different language. So you, you, if you're not somebody who likes subtitles, you're not gonna like the movie. But it doesn't grate on your ears like a lot of other foreign movies do. It's um, I believe it's Finnish that they're speaking. Um, Something like yeah. that. And um, it's it's a nice language to listen to first in the first place, but just you eventually stop reading and you're just listening and somehow your brain is translating into this other language. But it's this little, the little kid that's the lead in this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, the, the whole concept behind it is really cool too, where Santa again is evil and they, you know, find Santa underneath a mountain and they discover that they have the ability to, um, thaw him out basically, and then bring him back. And, it's all his elves that are running around that are all these old men basically with you know big white beards and they're naked 90% of the movie <laughs> obviously 
<laughs> like you do. And uh, it's just, I, I love the concept of it. And I like that it doesn't end where you think it would end. I like that it continues on and that it brings the rare exports thing in about three quarters of the way through the movie. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it until three quarters of the way through the movie. <laughs> it really is like a really um, unique little, totally different take on the like Christmas mm -hmm. horror thing. And I saw the other day a list, and that's actually, like, the highest rated of all of the Christmas horror. It's got, like, 96% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's just a good overall story. The story is good, mm -hmm. and it, it for basically an entire movie that is led by a 10-year-old child, it doesn't go off into this weird... It, well, it does eventually go off into a weird direction, but it doesn't, you know play to kids and it's not like gremlins plays to kids so right it's um i don't know i just i just love it and i every time someone's like oh i need a christmas horror movie i'm like go watch rare exports <laughs> like go, go watch rare exports then go watch black christmas and you'll be done you don't have to have any more and now i add then you're now good. i add santa slay to that too <laughs> exactly i need to rewatch rare exports i've only seen it one time and it was like I think I watched it in, like, the summer mm -hmm. <laughs> a couple years ago. I don't know why, but I definitely think uh, this time of the year viewing would be, you know, at hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good-looking mm. movie, too, despite it's it's totally gray and gloomy, but it's visually it's just it's a nice-looking movie, and I, I watched that a few days ago. I also like the father-son dynamic to it which it's not it doesn't feel front and center but like i believe that that's a father and a single father and his his young son and it's kind of an old school gruff hmm. uh blue collar father and um i just yeah i i love rare exports i saw that several years ago on a whim had no idea what to expect and just thought it was wonderful it really is um you know even though it's obviously not like this massive hollywood blockbuster it just did such a good job of creating this atmospheric feeling. Mm. Like, you just get a total sense of the weird little place that they're in, which just feels all remote and it makes it, like, even scarier. Plus the, you know, oppressive grayness and darkness and, um, it just makes the whole thing scarier than if it was in, like, I don't know, Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just looking it up on um, IMDb. It only made... $9,000 in America. Oh, my God. Yeah, it made nothing. Um, it's full gross. Um, well, that's, that was opening weekend. I'm sorry. It's full gross was only $263 million. Wow. So, it, I mean, it is a tiny, tiny movie. And it only, it was um, very limited release. I remember seeing it mm -hmm. in one theater near me. And it was, uh, there's a mm. um, an art house theater out in Boston that that you know gets some really weird things and that's yeah. the only place i remember seeing it so i mean it's definitely not something that i mean this would be something that if i you know could ever live my dream of owning a tiny little movie theater somewhere this would be something every christmas i would play <laughs> yeah i will join you in that dream. okay let's start a start a company after let's do this. it <laughs> all right what else do we have How about Jack Frost? I watched Jack Frost um, 
it's it's kind it's it's a yearly one as long as I can find a good night for it. The Killer Mutant Snowman. Um, I, I guess that's that to me that's the best way to set it up. Jack Frost is the name of the actual <laughs> man who is a serial killer. He gets caught, and then he's riding in the prison van, which I I, I get a, I got a kick out of it this year. I I noticed on the van. They have a van that's apparently dedicated to transporting death penalty inmates because on the side of the van it says <laughs> state executional transfer vehicle. So not just the regular police van for transporting prisoners. We we kill so many prisoners that we have our own van specifically for them. And, of course, they're driving on the worst, most hazardous snowstorm imaginable. They get into a, a big head-on collision with some sort of chemical company truck and... Jack Frost gets doused with these chemicals that was meant to transfer the soul of a human into an inanimate object so that the human race could survive in the event of some sort of nuclear fallout type scenario. Jack Frost's DNA and his soul binds <laughs> with the snow and he turns <laughs> and he he turns into like a kind of a rip off of the the T one thousand from Terminator two. So he's a snowman who can like move around and attack people, but he can also melt and reshape himself at will. So you can't just lock yourself inside of a house and be safe from the snowman because he'll just melt into water and seep through any kind of crack or opening, then reform and attack you. And it's like the movie's like it's 1996. It's weird, low budget, and uh, like intentionally bad special effects and total comedic tone to it and like opens up with this weird narration or uh, it's like an off-camera uncle or grandfather and is this little girl and she says i want to hear a christmas story and he starts telling her about jack frost and it's like set it's like a, a christmas poem <laughs> about jack frost ripping people's arms off he rips off arms he cuts you up into little pieces he eats the little boys and girls. And the guy sounds like Malcolm McDowell. And, like, so much... It, so much so that I assume he, someone was instructed to do a Malcolm McDowell impression. Like, both, like, the graveliness of his voice and, like, a little bit of an accent. And then also just, like, sort of a highfalutin, like, big vocabulary way that he's spinning this yarn about Jack Frost <laughs> killing people. Well, it, it could have been Malcolm McDowell because uh, I just watched this, like, super low-budget horror movie the other day. I think I told you about it. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Shock shock Value. Shock Value. Shocker. And shock. I actually loved it, but it's got Malcolm McDowell in it. Um, <laughs> like, in a pretty uh, intense scene, and I was like, what are you doing in this movie? Because, like, n nobody else in the movie was remotely <laughs> recognizable. Like, they hadn't been in anything else. Uh, but then all of a sudden, he shows up. I'm like, Weird. <laughs> it was a good movie, though, so that might have been him. Well, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I did watch the credits, and I've tried I tried doing just superficial internet research. Please <laughs> tell me this was Malcolm McDowell doing this creepy, like tale to a like a girl. Like the voice of the girl was like it was meant to be like a mm. five year old little a child who says, "I want to hear a Christmas story." But yeah, speaking of. McDowell and Alaska. He was in a movie. I didn't watch it recently, but called The Barber, set in Alaska. He plays a serial killer in Alaska. I tried at finding Christmas it. Time. I could not find it. And I think that movie 
<laughs> no, yeah, no. it's not streaming anywhere, unfortunately. I mean, it sounds like I would like it though. Yeah, he's he's like this local barber, and people like it's it's such a, it's another small town type mm-hmm. movie, so everyone knows the barber, and you just they'll come in and they'll say, "How's it going, Sam?" And then they'll just tell him like about their day. But then secretly he's but and he's just super charming. I don't even think he covered covered up. He did an accent for that movie. I think he just talked like he normally <laughs> does. So here's this weird weird guy with the foreign accent <laughs> who happens to live in Alaska. I want to see it, but I mean. Somebody's going to have to get it. I, I keep coming across horror movies I want to see. Like, that's one of them. And they're just, like, nowhere to be found. Like, streaming anywhere. Mm. It's it's a really, like, first world problem, but <laughs> it's my first world problem. <laughs> Jack Frost um, and Santa's sleigh, they kind of go hand in hand for me. Because they kind of both feel the same. Um, like, they've both got, like, similar small town type of feeling. And kind of a similar, like similar villain that's like comical but also murdering people and it's kind of like supernatural hmm. they're both also especially Santa Slate a little bit sweet like they're they're not like mean spirited uh-huh. horror Christmas movies and you do cheer for the the homely good guys yeah and there's that's happy true. endings the one thing about Jack Frost I didn't know what to make of the sun because he keeps saying, I made you special. And he's kind of like, he's just kind of weird and a little bit off. And I don't know if he was instructed, like, played his character, like, strange and just, uh, like. I can't remember that. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know what to make. Oh, okay. So he keeps, what he does with, he's in the kitchen and he's making this weird looking gelatinous mess of a dish. And he says, "Daddy, I made you special." And the da- the sheriff dad keeps calling his son Honey, which also just <laughs> seems like an odd acting choice. One, that he uh-huh. refers to his son as Honey, and um, and he, 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 he the son says, "Here, take this to to work with you to eat." Or no, he goes, "Here, do you want some now?" And the dad goes, uh, "I don't want it because it looks like shit," so he doesn't want it. And then he opens up a Ziploc plastic bag and he goes, <laughs> "Put it in here. I'll take it to work with me." And he's scooping. He's scooping this mess into a bag. And at a certain point, Jack Frost, the killer mutant snowman, is inside the same car as the sheriff. And the sheriff can't get out because Jack Frost has locked the doors and frozen them shut. And the sheriff is just grabbing anything he can grab to try to fend off the killer mutant snowman. And he hits him in the face with this weird (laughs) goop that his son made for him for lunch. And Jack Frost starts screaming in agony. And so they escape the car, <laughs> and and the son is with him, and the dad says to the son, son, what was in that treat you made me for lunch? And the son says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean anything by it. And he goes, no, no, son, it's a good thing. What was in it? And the son looks at him, and he says, <laughs> I anti-freeze? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's the logic of a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went out to the carport. He looked on the shelf and he goes, motor oil, no. Oh, antifreeze. Which, again, like, I don't know if this kid is supposed to be, like, challenged. But he, he the way that he talks and interacts with his dad, and then the part where he puts yeah, antifreeze into a I think, I think a maybe dish. so, or maybe he was just supposed to be kind of <clears> young. <throat> I don't know. There's an, 
And there's another scene where he's he's making more food in the kitchen. Like, he's just totally destroying this kitchen that his mother just cleaned up. And she's like, go out and play with the snowman. And he walks out, and he's playing with the snowman, and a bully says, get out of the way. We're having a snow race through the, your yard. And then the boy looks at, he has like a snowman puppet on his hand. And he look, he talks to the puppet, and he says, <laughs> I hope he breaks his neck. So he's also this like 10-year-old kid who's talking to his puppet. So hmm. I didn't know what to make it of really this is. The whole movie I mean, is wacky. It almost is like there was like several people writing it um, and not really like talking to each other. <laughs> Just like throwing random things and seeing what sticks, which I mean, it is, it, it's obviously not a masterpiece, but it's definitely a fun movie. Hmm. I mean, it's like a beer and pretzels movie as my dad would <laughs> call it. <laughs> uh, back in the day when uh, I worked at Blockbuster was about, this was um, about the time that this movie came out. And it was funny because this movie came out and then the the family movie came out like six months mm-hmm. later <laughs> and i kept yeah. having parents bring this movie up and i would be like this isn't the jack frost that you're looking for <laughs> <laughs> i'm like if i would not i would not correct them i'd just be like this yep, is yep. wonderful watch for that. the whole family yep, watch that but i mean <laughs> look if you look at the box for this the box is literally an evil looking well- <laughs> skull face snowman with giant jagged teeth why would you think that's a good family movie i mean in their defense the one with michael keaton is also pretty horrifying so yeah yeah it is it's 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 creepy it is creepy i've never seen it but i mean i kind of just wish michael keaton had been in this one and just like you know killed two birds with one stone Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton needs to be in more horror movies. He just needs to be in more movies, period. But he needs to be in more horror movies. Agreed. Because he's... He really... He's just brilliant. He's fantastic. Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to be that guy. Um, and um, my favorite Christmas horror movie right, that is guy. totally Krampus. Because I'm unoriginal like that (laughs) um i saw it on my third date with my partner um so that might be part of why it gives me fond memories um but just Mm -hmm. generally like Mm -hmm. it really ticks a lot of boxes for me it's got tony collette in it um it's got adam scott Mm -hmm. as like a i don't know hot dad in it um and it's like a it's a comedy horror film and it's a horror film about Christmas. And I knew that I was going to love it when the opening montage started. And it was just, like, all these things making the, like, Christmas rush at a store look absolutely horrifying. And I was like, perfect. I really love the direction that this is going in. Because it really just, it's it's great. It, it ticks all the boxes for me. Because we've talked about this before. Um, I really like horror movies that kind of reflect what we're afraid of as a society and to make a Christmas horror Mm -hmm. movie that's about like how shitty Christmas has become for like most people Mm -hmm. um well most people in like a very first world kind of way like it's so commercial and it's all about oh my god how do we you know I don't have enough money to buy everybody presents how do I you know figure out how to you know deal with my shitty relatives and yeah, I just I really liked that there was that there was a horror movie about those things, and uh, also I just found it really hilarious. <laughs> and 
it had a really uh, startlingly, startlingly yeah. great cast. I was like, how did they get all these great actors to be in this, like, kind of silly horror movie? But, I mean, definitely the cast made it. I think I need to rewatch it. I think uh, I've only seen it once, so the first time I just, I guess I wasn't in the right mindset, but, I mean, it's one of those movies I think deserves a second it's shot. It's a good one. I, uh, I, um studied German in university because I want to learn Afrikaans and they didn't offer Dutch <laughs> at my university. So I was like, uh, German's good enough. I grew up listening to Rammstein. This will be fine. And, uh, <laughs> and so like learning about Krampus and everything, um, when I found out that they were going to make a horror movie about that, I was like, that is the perfect subject matter for a horror movie. You know, St. Nick's darker counterpart. That's like, okay, if you're good, you get presents, but if you're bad, we're going to put you in a sack and beat you. Like, it's a very German thing. It really is. is. Very Schadenfreude. Very German. German. Um, You're that guy that brought it up. I'm that guy that's never seen it. Yeah, I know. I know. And you know what? I've tried to watch it three or four times, and every single time something happens, and I have to stop watching it, and I have to, I can't go back to it. So this year was actually because of this episode, I was going to be, this was the year I was going to watch it and I forgot about it and started watching other crappy Christmas horror. And, and anyway, and, and said, <laughs> well, I'm going to, so. we're going to stop recording right now and you're going to go and watch okay. it. <laughs> and then we'll reconvene okay. and get, get back get to back. us. No, it's... All right. How was it? <laughs> it's, it was awesome. I loved it. Well, it's it's also one of those things I do glad to hear. <laughs> I do like Adam Scott, so it's I just a I think he's he's good looking, but b I think he's a great actor. So he's very funny yeah, too. And so it's one of those like I'll just watch anything that he's in, even like the stupid commercials he was doing for some vodka for a while. You know, I was like I'll watch those too. Yeah. Those are great. The you cast know? is is fantastic. But then it, yeah, and it's like it, in for everything that I have seen about it, it's it's not what I thought it was going to be, which is good. So that's why I'm really interested to watch it. Maybe I will actually, like, when we're done, go watch it, because I've got shit I have to do tonight before I go to bed, so. <laughs> I'll I'll probably rewatch it sometime in the next day or two as well. I kind of just want Tony Collette to be in, like, all I know, movies right now. Yeah. <laughs> started being in action movies. I was like, can she just be in all action movies now? And now with Tony Collette, I'm like, Collette, can you just be in all horror movies? Um, yeah, the cast is great, and one of the things I really like about it is that for a comedy horror movie, I like when comedy horror movies don't sacrifice one for the sake of the other. I want them to be genuinely funny mm-hmm. and genuinely mm-hmm. scary, and Krampus is both of those. It's genuinely funny, but holy shit, those toys are scary. <laughs> like, it's they it's gory, They really are. And it's fun, and it's... Uh, it's not for kids, which is great because I love horror movies that no. are not for kids that <laughs> have kids in them. Like the main character is a kid, <clears throat> and uh, and he's good. He's not yeah. bad. I hate child actors, and he's really not bad. <laughs> I usually do too, but yeah, every so often there's like just a really good one that you're like, all right, you can be in everything. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna list one that I'm gonna list for both good and bad. Because Black Christmas, the original, is mm-hmm. amazing. Black Christmas, the remake, oh. is atrocious. <laughs> um, the original, obviously, it's like, it's, uh, 
I remember that um, oh, John Carpenter, I think that he was peripherally involved with Black Christmas in some way. And the guy that did a Christmas story did, what's that? Yeah, a Christmas story. He did Black Christmas, um, which is weird. He's like, oh, well, 10 years later, let me do a family Christmas movie after I did like the original slasher, basically. Um, I, I read somewhere that John Carpenter was peripherally involved. And I think that Bob Clark was gonna, he was talking about making like a bunch of seasonal horror movies, starting with Black Christmas. And then he ended up not doing it. And then I think John Carpenter like got that idea from him and ended up making Halloween four years later. And, you know, even though everybody says Halloween's the first slasher movie, I mean, honestly, there's been slasher movies for like, you know, 60 years, but Black Christmas was pretty much the first that's really kind of fits the modern narrative of a slasher movie. (laughs) You know, a bunch of like, yeah, I know. Well, okay. Modern, modern, contemporary western oh, no, world <laughs> concept in canada so i was like suck it this is true <laughs> we get one every 50 years it's yeah it's it's like um it's like the that's where the cliche of like the you know hot sorority chicks getting murdered by some creepy guy started mm-hmm. um and like i think a, like woeful um lack of people have seen it you know i mean horror movie people obviously mostly have but i would bet that like the general public hasn't seen it most likely haven't heard of it i only watched it for the first time like maybe in the last five years um but it's you know it's pretty pretty genius and it started a lot of the tropes that we would see in like you know thousands of movies to come yeah, it's a it's a great foundational slasher film for sure. Like apart from being a Christmas horror film, it is just genuinely a fantastic film. Um, you know, mm. plus it's got like Margot Kidder in it and uh and it's based on an urban legend yeah. and everything. But yeah, it's a it's a great film and I just love that um uh I just love that you you don't know who the sorry, I'm going to totally spoil it, but that you don't know who the killer is by the end of it. Like <laughs> It's fine. Hmm. It's 44 <laughs> years old. I think we're okay. <laughs> I think at this point we're... <laughs> but, and that's one of the things I didn't like about the remake is like the original, you, there's no connection between these girls and the killer. And mm-hmm. in the remake, it was, um, and the guy used to live in yeah, that house. Some bullshit. So that's, the, that's the, yeah. And it's like, that's the very thin thread of why he picked that house. I mean, the original one, other than the cast, the female cast, the the ensemble is freaking amazing. That is a stacked cast right there with the girls that are in that movie. And they carry it in such a way that you are terrified for them. And um, Olivia Hussey is just like, she's basically the lead out of all of them. And you're just terrified for her throughout the whole movie, especially towards the end. But since you never find out who the killer is, and you're just like, okay. And they never find one of the bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find it. 
cops don't. It's, uh, <laughs> so yeah, the the remake, you know, it, and it's like I hate remakes that feel the need to kind of make make up motivation where really one hmm. isn't needed. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk about Rob Zombie's Halloween in that category, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's never speak <laughs> of him again. <laughs> Uh, but I uh, I wish that it was true what they said in Scream that it's the new millennium and motivation is incidental, but it isn't. You know, all the all the modern remakes of these classic horror films all want to give like some usually totally ridiculous reason, and you don't need one. It's scarier when there's no reason. You know, mm. that's what exactly Mike said about yes. Hush. Like you don't need motivation. It's scarier when there's no motivation. And I mean, Black mm. Christmas, you don't know who it is, and you don't know why they do it, and you end the movie not knowing who it is or why they do it, and it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like less is more. The, the remake, I mean, they show so much of this guy's backstory, and it's like, I can't describe it in any other way, but like, it's ugly, and it's not enjoyable to watch. Like, it's like watching some child's abusive childhood. Mm. It's like, this is way too much. We don't need to see all this to understand. We don't even need to understand his motivation. Like, this isn't scary. It's just grimy, and it makes me feel gross watching mm. it. Um, I did, I, I liked it when it originally came out, because, I mean, it was like, I don't know, 12 years ago, and I was probably drinking a lot of <laughs> rum. <laughs> and um, also, it had, it had a decent cast, and the production values were, like, so great. Like, it was, like, a... I don't know. I thought it did well, like, with the atmospherics of the main story of the house and all the people in it and um, that kind of thing. But I think just the whole the whole extra backstory and the fact that he's, like, this escaped mental patient, it just bogged it down, yeah. like... And it made it not a fun movie to watch at all. It's weird watching that, and, like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it. <laughs> like, One of the best things weird. about it is that Andrea Martin's in it. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that was the thing that was funny, because I had forgotten she was in the original. So when I was watching it and I saw her name pop up in the, the credits, I was like, Andrea Martin? It can't be that Andrea Martin. And then she popped up on screen, and I was like, it is that Andrea Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely had forgotten she was even in it. And it had, I mean, it had some decent, like, um, murder scenes or whatever, but, man, I just really wish they had just stuck to the formula of the original Mm. and, like, just updated it slightly. It's weird because I was amazed when I first watched the original because it's really progressive. Like, you know, um, all the, most of the, like, main characters are you know, well-rounded female characters with their own agency. And like this one girl is talking about getting an abortion and it's like, Whoa, I'm amazed that that movie came out in 1974. Um, and it's, you know, it's probably why it wasn't a mainstream hit. Um, I'm assuming, you know, I don't think mainstream was ready for that. (laughs) I think it was that. And it was also, um, they weren't a, weren't ready for, you know, women to actually be doing something like that. But I also think the, the language that was used in it, um, because the first phone call that you get, he throws out F bombs. He throws out the C word. And it's like, there's, it's kind of one of those 
you don't even have that word said now, let alone in the 70s. You know, True, yeah. So I think some people were kind of, I mean, it's a shocking movie anyway, but I think it was also just kind of one of those, the minute you hear, like even today, even when I, I watched it the other day, as I realized I hadn't seen it in like four or five years, I was like, hey, I'll watch it again, why not? And I had forgotten about that and I heard it and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I was flipping through the trivia on IMDb and they actually cut that out for the UK release. Which I think is funny because it's not common slang, but it's more common slang to be used there than it is here. So I'm kind of like, that's odd that they would cut it out there, but they're very uptight. They also have very different like <laughs> rules for ratings and stuff. So yes, oh yeah, yeah. They they did that whole like video nasty thing and My point being of the uptight. Had some... <laughs> they had some really weird movies on the list. I'm like, how is this considered? Um, you know, too dirty to be seen or whatever. Evil Dead is at like the top of the video nasty list, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> because of the I don't know. Also, yeah, not I'm a good like, name uh... to give movies you're telling I people know. not to watch. It sounds so like now they stamp mm-hmm. that on the front of the oh, yeah. of the and DVD. It just, it just video makes nasty. you want to watch it more. That's all it is. Don't think about. Being I kind of feel like the original um, <laughs> Black Christmas is almost like. It would almost be somewhat progressive today because, I mean, even still, like, all many of the themes are still relevant. And it's like, it's rare that we see, um, you know, a horror movie where it's pretty much all women and they all have, like, pretty well-rounded characters and they're not just, like, you know, archetypes or, you know, caricatures of a female uh, victim. Hmm. Um and yeah, it discusses like real themes, gets a little real, but also it's got like really cool, unique plot and like an ambiguous ending. Hmm. Um, I think it's totally one of the like probably in the top like 1% of like slasher movies for sure. And um, yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely way up there for Christmas horror as hmm. well. Speaking of progressive... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And was... Oh, speaking of the strong female characters, that's... It, it seems totally unnecessary to provide a backstory for the for the male aggressor unless uh-huh. he's meant to be a sympathetic victim. Like, Jason's a sympathetic victim. Jason Voorhees, because you realize, oh, like, bad stuff happened to him. And he's kind of... It, it makes him a, <laughs> a more endearing character, but when you're talking about a, a guy who's like calling and terrorizing these women in a house like and le- you know it, it's an unnecessary thing for certain horror movies and almost and it, it's it's weird cuz it almost seems counterintuitive we're going to remake this movie we're going to use its name to try to get some clout for it but we also have to tweak it to try to make it better hmm. as opposed to just going with the original story and leaving it the way it was and also you're just adding run t- unnecessary yeah. runtime in a day and age where with a movie that's meant you want to show it 15 times a day, you'd rather it be 90 minutes instead of 100 minutes. So why add this unnecessary element to a character who's not supposed to be sympathetic and his actions are what's horrific, not his upbringing and what it's led him very, to um, decide this is how yeah. contemporary and thing, this like obsession with and um, just like backstories him. for villains because um, it comes with this mm. kind of the like true crime yeah. interest um 
it's it's all about learning yeah. about you know killers childhoods and what makes them do what they do and for me that's always mm-hmm. been the worst part of true crime is i like learning about the investigations i i like learning about um that aspect of it but i don't really care why these evil people do the fucked up stuff that they do and that's Hmm. i think it's a problem with a lot of horror films now is is the obsession with why and well it doesn't it doesn't really matter why the why isn't scary and and like you said there's no reason to make these evil people sympathetic because they aren't well yeah and the why is its own movie maleficent she's my all-time favorite disney villain in the original sleeping beauty she is just a villain she is a witch and she gets pissed off because she didn't get invited to the princess's birthday party and she curses the princess to die. That's it. You don't need to know anything else. She's just pissy she didn't get an invite. Then all of a sudden we have right. this movie starring Angelina Jolie that makes her this sympathetic villain that the only reason she did what she did to Sleeping Beauty was because all of this shit had happened to her when she, she got was fairy raped wings by Charlotte Yeah. I, I'm like... I don't. I I was so excited for that freaking movie because I wanted to see why she became the bitter bitch that she was, and then I was like, "Oh, well, and she's a woman. <laughs> you know? It's always like, rape for women, which is so frustrating." Exactly. Exactly, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's the only bad thing that could ever happen to you." Didn't yeah, you know didn't that? You know? <laughs> um, but like the other thing is, just as a society, we are obsessed with the why. Like you were saying, like the we have to have. Mm-hmm the why behind the horror movie villains and things like that but um just in general if something horrible happens we can't accept that there's no rhyme or reason for it we have to have a why we have to blame something for it we have to be able to pinpoint that the reason this person did this was because of you know he was abused as a child or as we all know at some point along the line they fell on their head you know yeah it's like but we're just obsessed with that and to have a movie like this where there is no why it's just it's the guy is just crazy and he's psycho and he's found these girls and hold himself up in the attic and just decided to take it out on these girls there's no rhyme or reason to it that is completely unacceptable you know you can't have that (laughs) so i mean it it leads to a lot of like uh misplaced sympathy yes you know what i mean I'll, like, especially in true crime, I'll see people that are like, oh, I have some weird sympathy for, like, Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's just because of, like, hearing about his Mm -hmm. childhood. If you didn't hear about that, you probably would have no sympathy, hopefully. And at the same time, you know, in horror, as in true crime, it totally takes the focus off the actual victims or survivors. And that's exactly what the sequel did. It's like, the female characters in the sequel are... You know, they're, it's a good cast, but they're totally, like, way less well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Like, we know very little about pretty much all of them. There's, like, one or two that you kind of get to know, but for the most part, they're, like, um, you know, they have, like, five minutes where they develop their character, and that's, like, it. Yeah. And But meanwhile, you've got, like, 30 minutes of this guy's horrible childhood. And it's it's stupid because... Think about, like, the scariest movies, Jaws, Halloween. It's like, there really is no motivation. That's what makes it scary. Or the motivation mm. has to be interesting, at least. 
and not just oh yeah, yeah. He had a fucked or, up yeah, childhood. Yeah, interesting, unique. Right. I'd prefer Jack Frost over that. <laughs> it's also omniscient. What was that chainsaw? <laughs> I was. Gonna, it's it's omniscient information. I, and I was just thinking just now about Toxic Avenger. Like they a knew perfect that, horror movie. <laughs> like those characters. <laughs> like if this were someone who was getting revenge on them, then then it's relevant to those to the characters uh-huh. to the victims' storylines. But if it's if it's not it's if it's not information that they would have any way of knowing, then it's it's just extra and yeah, it doesn't add to. It takes the mystery out of it. Because we know yeah. something that those characters don't, and it's really it's ultimately superfluous to what they're experiencing. So we can, and I think a lot of the revenge related. movies they kind of flip it where like even though this person is like now doing the like killing, like they're a sympathetic character because something shitty to them happened to them earlier in the movie. Mm. Um, like revenge, you know. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, one of the best horror movies of the year. And, you know, she's a really sympathetic character. And the guys that she's hunting down and killing in terrible ways are horrible people. So it's like, you're now cheering for the person that's playing the, you know, hunting down and killing role. Where they have now become the sort of victims. But she's totally sympathetic and they're not at all. And I love that. You just Um, described the entire plot of the original I Spit on Your Grave. I know. I've never seen it, but I it, I know that it's, like, pretty much the, you know, standard for, like, that yeah. kind of movie, which I generally hate. But Revenge was so freaking good. I know that I, um, like, kind of just went with Krampus, but would you mind if I tossed out my other favorite Christmas horror? Go for um, it. Because it goes in so well with what we're talking about. So, speaking of progressive movies and speaking of the question of motivation... Um, this movie, I think it just came out last year. It's called Better Watch Out. I was just going to talk about that. It is so good. I just watched Um, that two days ago. For people listening, if you haven't seen it, like, honest to God, please turn off the podcast, go watch it, and then come back. Yeah. Skip forward, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) I I knew nothing about it other than I saw Mm -hmm. the title and the poster and was like oh cool let's watch this and that is the best way to watch this movie because it starts out in very like typical you know um home intruder territory you know babysitter kid blah 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 but the left turn that it takes is so fucking good and so interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we were talking about motivation and how motivation isn't necessary but this is one of those movies where the motivation itself is what's horrifying. The fact that this kid believes that he is entitled to um, commit these insane acts because he's got an unrequited crush it is so... It not only mm-hmm. is it so applicable in a society where you've got you know, men shooting up public places because women won't fuck them or whatever, when you've got this horrible mm. incel movement... Um, it, it's so relevant to that that really this kid, his motivation is the most horrifying thing in the movie. So, uh, speaking of child actors, right? He was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, blew my f- mind. Um, 
I don't know how old he was when he made that, but he's playing like a 12 year old. He reminded me of like a young Anthony yes. Perkins. Hmm. Um, the way he just like his whole almost body language and the way he talks totally switches when like his mask comes off and he reveals that like he's the villain. It was, it get, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now because I just watched it again the other day. He turns mm-hmm. so scary. Mm-hmm. He's like, he, you know, for the first, like, however long he's, like, playing this character of just this, like, sweet little boy. And then all of a sudden he's, like, a vicious, like, psychopath, basically. And it, there's something so telling uh, earlier in the movie where... Um, he says something like, you should drink, because uh, then you'll want to kiss me, or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just like, no, honey, like, that's not how it works. Like, and it's 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 sad, because I think a lot of males, and probably females, you know, grow up with that idea, like, mostly males, grow up with the idea, like, oh, get a girl drunk, and then she'll want to, like, hook up with mm. you. And it's like, they just think that's how it's supposed to be, and they're kind of just entitled to that. And... That's what makes mass shooters and, like, serial killers because they're just taking what they think that they deserve. Hmm. And that kid was was. phenomenal. Like, he gave me the creeps. And I loved how um, when he started getting frustrated, he would kind of lose his cool and, like, you'd hear his voice crack. And it would kind of remind you, like, oh, my God, this is just a child. Mm -hmm. And he's going through puberty right now. But at the same time, he's, like murdered like three Mm. people um it was oh so fucking good so he was born in 2002 yeah so he was only like what 14 well let's say the movie came out in 2016 let's say it was filmed 2014 2015 around there Mm -hmm. so i mean he was basically playing he was playing a little bit younger because i think the character's supposed to be like 10 or something like that 10 or 11 no he's supposed Um, to be 12 but i mean so he's playing his own age 12 okay 12 so he's playing his own age so, yeah. but still, like you said, it's just, that movie, when I watch, when you look at the poster for it, first of all, you just think it's babysitter horror. That's it. You know, you don't think anything mm-hmm. of it. And then you get to the point where the twist happens and you just, it, it I was not expecting it. I didn't really think it was telegraphed at all, which I think is a big issue that we have in a lot of um, movies right now. And I mm-hmm. just was amazed it got to the end of the movie and I was just like what and then at the end of the movie he's like he's making sure that he hides the sleeping pills so that it looks like he was taken and he's playing like he's all groggy like he's waking up from having the ambient and (laughs) trying to play it off with his parents like he slept through all of this you know and then he's looking out the window and then she's getting taken away in the ambulance and they're like nope she's still alive and he's like fuck (laughs) I oh it's it's so, so good. It was like pretty masterful, I'd yeah. say. Um, I I I had the creeps when he was like cuddling with his mom at the yeah. end. I was just like, ugh, like it gave me the heebie-jeebies a little because it's a little fucking creeper. So yeah, it's an Australian. Um, it's like a partially Australian production. He's an Australian actor, which makes so mm-hmm. much sense because in I mean in the last. I don't know, 10, 15 years, Australia has been absolutely killing it with the horror movies. I know. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode. We should do a whole episode on that. (laughs) (laughs) We should. Don't make Um, me watch more Australian horror. Come on. (laughs) 
that's that's like my favorite uh, other amazing. country to like yeah. find great oh, yeah. horror movies because well I don't have to read subtitles and you know the outback is just such a good mm-hmm. location for scary things to happen. Yep. We're gonna I'm definitely gonna talk about Australia um, when we do our top eight in the next episode because 2014 mm-hmm. was a real good year for Australia. Yeah, yeah. Actually, two out of the three that I picked from that year. Now that you say that, are both Australian Noice. movies. Mm-hmm. Actually, like three movies I deliberated on, kind of settled on one or two, were like New Zealand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next, Chainsaw, would you like to throw one out there? Um, did I miss all through the. I get all through the house confused with Better Watch Out. Has anyone is seen Is that a all Tales the from the Crypt? I'm not even sure if I've seen it. I, yes, yes it is, because I have it written down on my I have to watch this list, and it says Tales from the Crypt all through the house. I've never seen it. Okay, so either it exists and it was that forgettable that I confuse it with Better Watch Out, or I haven't seen it. But be- I did watch Better Watch Out. Uh, I liked it. I need to rewatch it. And I felt the same way about Krampus, which was... Uh, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't know what to expect. And I do have that on my go-back-and-look-at-it list. I do like... Oh, Scott oh my God. Speak- I watched Cheap Thrills last night. I was like, Champ Kind, you're totally Dude, off I the rails. I <laughs> love Cheap Thrills. I it was It was cheap- interesting. <laughs> yeah. Someone recommended that Cheap Thrills to me, and I had no idea what to expect, but it was a... I trusted the person who recommended it to me, so I just went in. The ending was like... I was shocked. Like, at the very, like, last, like, five minutes, I was like, whoa! I, like, (laughs) literally said it out loud. And, uh... Damn, dude, I forgot your name. Main guy. He turned out to... I meant actor, but... (laughs) Uh, Ethan Embry... (laughs) He was so good at being just like this deplorable scumbag, because um, he's usually like all sweet. Ethan Embry has really <laughs> grown up to be very interesting, because I know him as Mark in Empire Records. Yeah, I think of him from <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait, and he was so good. We at all the know Devil's him candy. from some odd. Yeah, we all know him from odd I know. '90s teenage movies. <laughs> it's like that's all we I know. know him from. God, I just realized I forgot. Devil's Candy on my list. So I'm surprised. <laughs> Go on. How dare you? I, I was. I was. I'm a little surprised. That it was on my list. I haven't gotten Silent there yet. Night, Deadly Night yet. <laughs> it was kind of in the middle for me. I started to watch it this year, and I was watching it on on Shutter, and then I I started to think that I might be watching the mm-hmm. R-rated version instead of the uncut version. And also, the the screen mm-hmm. was zoomed out. The aspect Weird. ratio was all hmm. wrong. Yeah. It, it looked like I was watching it on a, a, a square TV. But I I saw that movie... I, I'd heard hmm. of that movie for so mm-hmm. long because of its infamy. And I it's 1984. The opening... Like, the, the, um, the way that... Um, young Ricky gets traumatized it's pretty unpleasant his father gets shot in the head he's in the car and he sees it and then his mother 
gets uh, Santa Cla- the, the Santa yeah. Claus character attempts to rape her and then just kills her instead while his little toddler brother is in the car with them. And is, is pretty unpleasant opening to what then turns out to be in my at least from my viewing a fun horror movie in a weird way because the, the character who plays the, the Santa Claus killer before he, he snaps he goes to live in an orphanage for a while and before and then he works at a toy store <laughs> which is a bad idea because eventually Christmas and <laughs> Christmas and Santa Claus is what makes him snap but he's like this like yeah. ninth, he's like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. He's this like all American, blonde haired, like happy go lucky, like just like go- almost he's almost goofy how friendly yeah. and like sweet he is. And he works at a toy store, and he's innocent too. Like the people at the the after hours Christmas store party, they drink they drink alcohol, and he wants to drink milk. And when he's Snaps all his kills though they're sort of fun and funny, and when he kills people he he'll yeah go, naughty. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like it's it's this weird gloomy dark dirty looking eighties horror movie, but then it's it's like funny at the same time. But then like it's sad when uh, a person dressed up as Santa Claus gets shot because the the dummy cops think that it's the Santa Claus killer, but secretly some other guy dressed as Santa Claus. So, like, it's all over the place with its tone. Like, Santa Slay is very clearly a fun Christmas horror movie. And then this one, it's dark yeah, at times, it's really it's like silly at times. It's really all over the place. Felt a little, like, grindhousey a little bit. Well, yeah. it has Linnea Quigley in it, so, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. exactly where you're going. Oh, shit! Oh, my God, I didn't even notice that. Well, she's the yeah. one who gets impaled on the on the um the horns. With a classic. Uh-huh. She's the only one who has her boobs okay. out pretty much, so Yeah. <laughs> because when I'm That's her. There you go. <laughs> because when I mount my dear heads, I do it with such integrity <laughs> that it can support it. Yeah. An I was adult like, what is the thing? Freaking bolt it into concrete? Like <laughs> Yeah, and it's like how much how strong <laughs> is he that he's able to like impale her on these like kinda like dull horns like they're not razor sharp (laughs) that's one of my weird movie pet peeves when stuff that is not stabbing material (laughs) gets used as stabbing material like uh, uh, Halloween 4 Michael Myers impales someone with a shotgun (laughs) which is a perfectly useful murder weapon with either shooting the shotgun Hmm. or just bludgeoning someone with the butt of the shotgun but Michael Myers inhales someone through his chest with the, yeah. Um, I'm getting there. It worked in, in, San, in uh, Silent Night, because okay. it's so silly. A great movie poster, by the way. No. I love um, the image uh, of Santa, yeah. like, so Santa Claus with I, an axe. I love that poster, like, a hundred times more than the movie. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the poster, and that's the, one of the things, too. That's one of those, like... The poster um, and the the box art so for that are the, it, is the same thing, and that always drew me to the movie. And for some reason, I just never watched it. But it came out in theaters. They re-released it in theaters, I think, two years ago. And I made a point. I got out of work early, went and got tickets, and went and sat by myself in the theater. It was me, and like three other people, and with a giant bowl of popcorn, I just sat there and watched it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Might as well watch it. It's here, and it's in. It's in the theater on the big screen. Why not? 
I watched it like a week ago for the first time. <laughs> so, who are we missing? Um, I'll give one more. This is uh, Gremlins because it's like the ultimate Christmas horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. It is. It's a classic. Um, we were we were watching it for an episode of The Watch Pile, but we were just watching it in general because I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And uh, he had never seen it, so it was. There were so many things that I had forgotten, other than Gizmo. Like Gizmo, I could never forget anything that Gizmo does. But there was things that the Gremlins had done that I had completely forgotten about. Like I forgot that they went and they tortured the neighbor that wanted to kill the dog. <laughs> like the town, Mrs. Cratchit. Like they killed her and all the um, like going and watching Snow White randomly in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still want to know how they got the licensing for Snow White. This is a universal movie. Was it just yet again Steven Spielberg was like, hey, I'm <laughs> Steven Spielberg, so can I use your movie? <laughs> you know you want to let me. It, it was the first PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably a good call because if it had been a PG movie, I think a lot of people would have been mad. Well, originally it was <laughs> PG, and then... After everybody saw it, they were like, well, I don't think... And so they literally created PG-13 for this in Temple of Doom. <laughs> they were like... I thought it, I thought they did that for, like, Red Dawn. Um, let me check on Red Dawn. I thought Red Dawn was after these. Well, we can discuss that at a yeah, later date. I'm, I'll do it while we're talking about other things. I was thinking Red Dawn was the first officially rated PG-13. Temple of hmm. Doom inspired the PG-13 rating. And, um, but then, like, Red Dawn was apparently, like, it was filmed before Temple of Doom, but it came out after, so it's, it's the first officially rate, it was the first one to dawn the PG-13 rating. Dawn. <laughs> so Because <laughs> it's weird, you go back and watch, like, a movie from 1983, and there'll be, like, a woman's exposed breasts, and mm-hmm. certain I know. words, and you go, it's why is this PG? wild. <laughs> And then they occasionally, like, they a movie gets released on home yep. video and it's re-rated after the fact, and then sometimes it's not re-rated after the fact, and, like, 2001 Space Whoa. Odyssey is still rated <laughs> G, even though it has, like, That's horrific crazy. death so, scenes in it. Actually, according to trivia, The Flamingo Kid was actually the first film to ever get a <laughs> PG-13 rating, but it sat on the shelves for five months before it was released. So technically... Oh. This is technically Red Dawn was the first one to be released into oh, okay. theaters. Alrighty. Anywho, that's our, that's our. Well, we our were all partially thing. right. I guess we can uh, clap ourselves on the back for that, fellow nerds. <laughs> Would you guys like to move on to the shitty ones, or you got any good ones left? Um, okay. I have one good one. Oh yeah! Why did I not Santa. write that down? <laughs> I really enjoy Secret Santa. It's one of these w- movies, they do like a filter over it where to, mm-hmm. to make it look from the 70s. But it's, you know, I noticed it at first and I thought, oh, okay. But like I forgot, that I kind of stopped noticing it through the movie, which I think is a good thing because it, it's, it, can, it can feel a little gimmicky and unless you're just going over the top gimmick sloth, I, sh- I should stop noticing it. So I did stop noticing it, and um, uh, what did I like about it? I, I just, I, 
Is this the one that came out in 2015? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was another one that, that came out right. uh, like around the same time um, that I just came across. But uh, yeah, it came out like 2015, maybe 16. It showed up on Amazon last year out of nowhere and it was free. So I just watched it. It's great. It's like insanely low budget, but it's, um, you know, totally unique Christmas horror movie. Uh, like it, you know, it takes a totally different spin than any previous Christmas horror movies that I've ever seen. You know, it's not a killer Santa. Um, and all of the main characters, they're all just like regular people. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, they don't really, they look like people you would know. And it, it kind of had like a, it really had like a college vibe. Um, and they all kind of look like they're college age. Mm -hmm. And the main girl's really good. Um, she's only been in, like, a couple movies, which I happen to, like, coincidentally watch, like, within, like, a few weeks of <laughs> each other. Um, the other one was Bite. Um, but, no, it's it's really fun. Super low budget. It definitely, like you were saying with the, the filter or whatever, it definitely looks like it came out in the 80s, but it doesn't have that annoying, like, um, hit you in the face with, like, 80s nostalgia mm -hmm. type feeling. Because it's obviously contemporary, because they have cell phones and stuff. Um, yeah. And cars that are and, contemporary. And it reminds me. It reminded me of. Oh, um, yes, House of the I, Dead I could totally, I, I could totally see oh. that. And like, you know the. You you notice it at first, but it doesn't knock you over the head with it. Like, hey, look at us! Look at us! We're doing eighties. Yeah, it's like it's like a, just a general feeling that kind of pervades the movie, but it's not like the whole aesthetic. Hmm. Um, and the, you know, the villain, the yeah. ultimate villain is totally unexpected. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? And, yeah. you know, it kind of, the very end, oh man, I loved it. It just, it was fucking hilarious. I laughed my ass off at that movie, actually. Um, I just watched it the other day for like the second time and I still laughed quite a bit. <laughs> I, I forget what I was thinking right when they started to do the ending and I thought oh don't go here but it was either that they it, it they made sure that it paid off well or I I think maybe I was I, I thought well this is kind of a send up of those 80s horror movies so it makes sense that they tack on this yeah. one final thing and then they did make sure that it paid off well and I thought okay good like it, you earned that ending you earned doing this we're going to tack mm -hmm. on this one last little thing. And there. also, like, you barely get a sense yeah, of any a, sort of motivation because it's, like, it's so funny because, like, he starts to explain it and then, like, uh, he talks for a little while and they're like, <laughs> are you done? Like, you've literally been talking for two hours. They're like, um, so-and-so bled out over here. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. There's a comp... There's a compliment I pay movies like that. Uh, Vacancy comes to mind, even though it's a totally different kind of horror movie. But sometimes I'm, I watch, especially a genre film, but even a dramatic film sometimes, where I, I look at it and I go, oh, a lesser film would have fallen victim to some lazy writing trope or some lazy some dynamic that a, a totally lesser film would yeah. have suffered right here. But yeah, and it's like, it, well. it really is. And it, it's solid. It's it's a solid 85-minute horror movie that I would 
pretty much blindly recommend yeah it is like into horror. the writing is like the best part which sometimes is not the case in <laughs> great horror movies sometimes it's more like the you know acting or like just the you know creepy factor like the writing is the part that makes it really good because it's got like realistic dialogue all of the characters are super realistic people and you know they've got sort of interesting dynamics going on and it kind of is almost like a it's almost like a mumblecore movie but just happens to be a horror movie because there's all these like awkward interactions between people that are just like really you know recognizable you're like okay i've like experienced this kind of situation and it's weird because the like goofy uh bald guy i kept first time i watched it i'm like this guy is like so relatable that i feel like i know him like i feel like i know someone exactly like that that you know pretty much acts just like that and um yeah it's so fucking funny <laughs> The only writing question, or the only issue that I questioned was, I couldn't tell if I was supposed to think that the professor character was a jerk or a cool guy. Because he's this college professor, presumably at least five or ten years older than the young woman who's his student that he ends up dating. So he's probably, he's presumably a little bit older, and then there's also the issue of is it appropriate for a professor to date his student. But, like, he's cool in some parts of this movie, but then in other parts, like, they got another character will say, like, hey, that's a cool corduroy blazer. Can I touch it? And he's like, don't touch my jacket. So it's almost like there was, like, I wondered if there were a couple of scenes where he was either uh, more of a douchebag or a couple of scenes that, and then those scenes got cut, or if there were a couple of scenes where he's understandably annoyed with this other particular drunk character who's... I think he's, like, the kind of um, professor that he's... I, I pegged him supposed to be around, like, 28, maybe. Um, like, he becomes a professor, and he instantly sort of dons that persona, like, wearing this, like, tweed jacket and, like, <laughs> being all, like, kind of suave. But underneath it, he's actually, like, kind of awkward, and he's, like, you know, this awkward guy going to meet his girlfriend's friends, even though he already knows them, and now they're interacting in a whole different kind of... Uh, social relationship so he's like trying to like be cool but in reality he's like kind of socially awkward yeah when that was that was one of the tropes that I thought that they were going to fall into and then they didn't which is I thought he was going to be a total creep and even there's another uh, female character who like cheats or she's hooks up with one of the male characters who has a girlfriend and I thought oh well she maybe she'll just be this one dimensional seductress but then like she's a real character too and it, there's like n nobody's yeah. just total stock character this guy's bad this person's great this other person's terrible root for even even the the bald guy who reminds me of the oh yeah uh, totally John Cryer totally. I think the two and a half men guy <laughs> <laughs> like even he comes up like his introduction is that he's just like he, he he snorts Adderall to study and cram and but but then he he still has his like contributions to the film beyond being just a goofy band. Yeah, it, I, it felt like this was like a bunch of people that could you know really exist living in like Portland. Like I felt like it was in Portland as I was watching it, even though I think it was supposed to be like I don't know New York. 
but they all were kind of like had a hipster vibe. I also didn't. Uh, I didn't suspect the uh, when the, the reveal of who is attacking these people. I totally didn't expect it, but then I thought like. <laughs> Should I have seen when that? I rewatched I it, I, I started to kind of notice, like, okay, there's a little bit of foreshadowing, um, and it was kind of like, it was pretty like a brilliant, like, uh, you know, they definitely didn't fall into any of those basic traps of like, oh, it's secretly the best friend is secretly evil or something. Um, you know, it comes totally out of left field, but when you think about it, you're like, okay, that is hilarious. Um, and yeah, we're not spoiling it because you guys should definitely watch it right right today. <laughs> <laughs> right now. But I think we've gone on long enough about that. <laughs> you guys want to throw out some shitty ones that you watched? Um, I watched Christmas Evil yesterday. <laughs> um I don't know why this is called a horror movie. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> um there's one scene where he stabs somebody in the eye and then kills two other people and that's about it. That's the extent of the horror. I mean he is kind of creepy with how he's peeping in on the kids at the very beginning of the movie. He's like on top of his house and he's like peeping in on the kids that are next door and he's like oh this kid's good, this kid's good, this kid's good and then he gets to this one kid and he's, you know, the kid's got a um, penthouse and he's cutting out the centerfold. <laughs> he's like, he's looking at nudity. He's impure thoughts. And he like runs back to his apartment and he's, he picks up these two big giant tomes of good girls and bad, bad boys and bad girls and everything. And he writes like this kid, he has like pages on all these kids. And I'm like, okay, so that's kind of creepy. Yeah. That's a little bit creepy. But other mm-hmm. than that, I'm like, I don't know why this is a horror movie. <laughs> It was kind of, it was, I couldn't finish it because it was just kind of, I was just kind of bored. Yeah. It's, I read that it's John Waters' like favorite movie of all time. <laughs> okay. Which is so weird. Like, it's, yeah. it, I mean, it's not good campy enough that I could understand that. Mm. I just thought it was kind of slow. Yeah. And like, you know, absurdly low budget and like. I don't know. The plot was just totally lack, lacking for me. Yeah, and I, I, I could see if he, because of his obsession with Christmas and being good and things like that, and I can see if the obsession turned him into a murderer, but it turned him into a, oh, I'm going to kill you because you don't know who I am because I'm dressed like Santa and you just pissed me off. You know, that's it. And it was just... And he killed the three... I don't know, assholes that were making fun of him as they were coming out of this party, and then the one girl that was like, oh, come on. Stop it. Let him be. She, she <laughs> he did nothing to her. But then, I, I don't know. I agree, it was very slow, and it was just mm-hmm. based on um, it was on, I think it was on Shudder that I was watching it, and based yeah. on what it was talking about in the description on Shudder and various other, um, Christmas horror movie lists that I had been looking at to try to find more movies to kind of watch for this and it kept popping up on every single one of them so I was like oh my god this must be a good movie like if people are constantly talking about it and they're all saying like oh you've got to watch this movie because every list that I saw it on gave it at least four stars 
I know. I saw it a lot, too. I'm like, what, what are you people I'm thinking? Like, <laughs> I don't know what you watched, but you didn't watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a totally different movie that we haven't found the right I don't one know. yet. <laughs> I don't know. And, I mean, the ending of the movie where literally, like, the the brother like is running after him as he's driving the van down the city street and he's almost like picking off the um the townies who are literally have torches and pitchforks going after this guy (laughs) and he like runs the car off the side of a uh bridge or something and he's just like and you just see the the van the it is and is a creepy van too like flying (laughs) over and i'm like and there's a voiceover of him saying, you know, the ending to, um, uh, you know, whatever poem that is that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But, like, you know, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night and everything. And then it was, thank you. Thank you. And then, can Christmas. we cut out my stupidity, please? Um, <laughs> no. Damn. Well, I can't remove your well, entire I was, dialogue. I was trying to reference Damn. that poem. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to reference yeah. Twas the Night So there we go. We've been looking for it for an hour Cross. now, trying so to find that reference. That was I planted um, that seed yeah, in my just, own mind, and then... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I was, like, really... I watch a lot of terrible horror movies, like, every day of hmm. my life, and I just was, like, soup. I couldn't even finish it, because I was just so bored. Oh, so you missed the flying van. <laughs> I did. I don't. I don't even know where I stopped. I was just like falling asleep watching yeah. it. Um, and I even got all the way through Christmas presents, which I think three of us watched this weekend, and it was uh, bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Like it wasn't. I mean, it was bad, but it was also like weirdly entertaining because it was so confusing, and it it made. I was like boggled by it. <laughs> it kept you on your the ed. It keeps you on the edge of your seat because yeah. you think, when yeah. will this make yeah. any goddamn sense? When will I finally understand what the hell is going yeah. on? Yeah, and like, which of these people are in a relationship? That's or withholding. Which of them are like gay? Which of them are? What's going on here? Hmm. Who's related? Uh, there was no explanation. <laughs> Why are they Why friends? Why is anyone here? <laughs> this like. <laughs> Why are they friends? Why did they decide to rent a cat a, a, yeah. a mansion in the middle of nowhere? What's Why do they have this like random like country like Scottish lady that's like fifty years old with all these like thirty year old like Londoner women? <laughs> well, that I can actually explain. <laughs> it was just, yeah. and then that other lady was married to that like I called him the British Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah. um, that that couple was inexplicable. I was like what? They're a couple? And I honestly wasn't sure for like probably a good, you know, 70% of the movie. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out again if we watched a different movie because I was Googling it to find out because I, I was trying to remember something about it and was like, oh, so let me Google it quick. The first story that comes up is an article in a, a something called The Inquisitor and mm-hmm. Shudder's Christmas Presence is being revered as one of the year's best films by horror fans. Did we watch the wrong movie again? (laughs) That is insane. Is the Inquisitor um, LGBT? I don't know. Let me find out. I was just curious because it's a really like uh, it's a really LGBT friendly movie. So maybe that's the connection. I'm not sure, but 
it was weird because I loved like the first half hour before it even becomes a horror mm-hmm. movie because it reminded me of my twenties and all like my like gay best friends. Because mm-hmm. um, the gay guy character in the movie is like he reminded me so much of a friend of mine, and I was just like, I love this guy. I want to go hang out with him. Uh, and then it turned into a horror movie, and I was like, I just wanted to go back to where it was like this like naked dancing gay party. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Hugo gave me a lot of false hope for that movie. I know he did because his his introduction his introduction is that oh I'm, I'm the snarky flamboyant gay man, but then he turns out to be a really like a, a likable character and he's he's very friendly during the like they have this mm-hmm. un, he gives everybody underwear for their Christmas presents and then not everybody mm-hmm. in the movie is a supermodel hmm. but he does a photo session with them and he's very friendly and enthusiastic with yeah. all of them and I go okay I like Hugo but then he's pretty much gone and now I have a bunch of characters that I don't like right. and I don't understand why they're there and I don't care what happens to them and then everybody has their own and then it turns into Freddy Krueger sort of yeah. like, what are your fears but everybody has different fears and then there's an old man who happens to know the family but I don't know if that's why he's there I don't know if that's why anyone's there so the the one likable character ended up being a character who I thought at first, mm. oh, this is going to be mm-hmm. a really one-dimensional bad character. Then he was likable, yeah. but then he hits the road, and then it's a bunch of other people. I don't even, yeah, the uh, the, the 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 Drew Carey <laughs> character who I also thought of oh, as yeah. poor man's yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's married. He's married to this other woman, and there's like one hint that they're in a relationship but it could also be perceived as uh, well basically they're in a bedroom when they get to this little tiny house in the middle of nowhere and the woman says well this you can sleep on the floor and so uh, part of you you go oh well they're having a some rough times in their relationship but it could also just be that they're yeah, friends. Yeah, and the only and other like, oh, you got time that's referenced button. is after she's and, dead and, and she comes back and she says, let's give it another try. Yeah. So that's like the only time you get any inkling. Yeah. I mean, they drove in together, but that doesn't mean anything. You know? It's and like, he spends like a large part of the movie with no. the like older lady. Hmm. Like they're, they act like they're like brother and sister or something. Hmm. But... I almost thought that they were a couple yeah. at the beginning. Because <laughs> she's like, help me move this. But she's actually in a relationship with this younger mm-hmm. woman. And you're like, what is going on? Like, none of these relationships uh, are, you know, clearly, ex- like, shown. And they all seem hard to believe. Yeah, and it... it... <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't assume that mm. the older woman and the younger woman were in a relationship. And nothing they really do on screen except kiss. <laughs> except make would out. Indicate it. Like they're not getting along with well, each other. I mean, they did kind of reference being a relationship, but it also could have meant like, you know, we're close friends or something. Because she was like, "Thank you for introducing Best me friends, to this yeah. wonderful person." Like, I don't know if that means like you're dating this person or what. Because the older woman like knows how to use guns and she seems like she could be a, like handy with fixing <laughs> that's a very nice yeah. way of saying that she is a butch dyke <laughs> she's in a no i would describe her as she was very country yes. like she had a country vibe <laughs> yes. about her like she was kind of rough and tumble type person but it, it um she it was kind of funny she... 
and her yes, and her girlfriend yeah, I, is an I, I Instagram influencer. Because... Oh, go ahead. Who's bragging <laughs> about her her recent breast implants and yeah, like yeah. flirting with weird. the gay man? Yeah, it, it was, and there's it, it's you, you it, wouldn't assume that they would be naturally attracted to each other, and then none of their scenes together really make you go, oh, I can and see why. That okay, was the thing too is that I didn't see the chemistry between them, together. and I was laughing the whole time because Joe reminded me. The older woman's character's name was Joe. She reminded me of me. Because I always have, <laughs> I always have the tools. I always have the guns. I always have, well, literally and figuratively. I always, you can always mm-hmm. go into my car and find something for whatever show I'm working on that you would never find in anyone else's car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just, she was like, she, when she went to the car and she like pulled out a gun and she's like, I always come prepared. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> like, yeah, so, I actually really liked her character. I loved her. She was awesome, and I could listen to her read the damn phone book. Her accent was amazing. I know, <laughs> oh but her fear scene—that was when the movie just like went off the rails. I'm like, what am I watching? She like threw up a bunch of like. The, yeah, because very in the very beginning, when they first come in the house, she sees something <laughs> on the ground that has button eyes, and. She says to the the girl Mackenzie, who's the one that brought them all there, um, "Oh, like, oh, could you move that?" And she looks at it, and Mackenzie goes, "Oh, the buttons." And Joe's like, "Oh, yep, it almost set me right off." And then, like, oh. it, it's literally a blink and you will miss it thing. And the only reason I caught it was because I was like, "Wait, what did she just say?" Let me let me re- rewind that. What did she just say? Um, and then later on. There's a button on the floor after they wake up all hungover. There's a button on the floor, and the older guy, the old guy that's like the you know caretaker or whatever, he picks up the button and puts it on the table, and she like starts backing away from the table. So I'm like, so she has oh. something with buttons, but mm, I don't know what it is, and it's never explained. And the only thing that I can think of is is that because of the way the kids were making fun of her, saying that. Um, they think they were saying, "Yeah, she couldn't button her shirt." She couldn't yeah, because they were. She was. They were I, saying like Fat Joe pants. can't put her shirt on or something like that. But I thought they were calling her a his, which I thought they were inferring that she was transgender because they also talked about transgender mm-hmm. earlier in the movie in a conversation that made absolutely no sense. Um, <clears throat> I was like, "What is?" I have no idea, like, what your viewpoint mm-hmm. is. Like, you're just kind of like spouting like buzzwords of some kind. Um. I thought they were saying, like, Joe can't keep his button, his pants or something. Oh. It was really confusing. Yeah, it was. Um. <laughs> There's so much stuff in this movie where I think, did I, was I distracted earlier in the movie and I'm missing why this yeah. is, what the explanation would be for this? It's really, like, when she throws up those buttons, it's like a, it, it would be, like, I've never seen a Freddy Krueger yeah. scene yeah. that was that lazy. Where they go all of a sudden, oh, here's this character's fear that you had no idea would be this character's fear because the demon mm-hmm. in Christmas Presents preys on your fears and then all of a sudden she has a <laughs> thing with buttons that I I guess hmm. the old man in the earlier scene like hinted at it, but well, I, I saw that. I mean, they I could have at no least picked a common fear. <laughs> I thought she was scared like of cats. a spider or something. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was scared of hats because... The girlfriend literally says, I stopped working at the haberdashery because of her fear. And I'm like, so she's scared of hats? Like, because <laughs> that's what you buy at a haberdashery. A hat store? Mistaken. I was like, 
I'm not sure. I was very confused. I was like, um... I mean, the one thing I did really enjoy about this, and I think it's it's art. It's it has already been said that the one thing I we, I did really enjoy was um, the LBGTQ, um, or as my cousin calls it, the gay alphabet, because there's way more letters, and we just stick to those ones. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did too. I did too. And um, it, it it was very it was in your face, but it was very much a this is normal. This is just mm-hmm. normal people who happen to have you know sex with the same gender and it just they just and right. it was very you know it wasn't like i mean hugo was very very in your face but it it wasn't yeah. you know we're not doing it as a um stereotype and we're not doing it as you know just as you know oh my god we need to have a gay character because we don't have any ethnic characters that you know can die first because anita can't die first because she's a plot point you know, so right. it was like, yeah. I, I just thought it was very good. But the original title of the movie was actually called Why Hide? And that's the name of huh. um, Hugo's lingerie line. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if that this movie sense. had a different plot course at one point. <laughs> and then yeah, it got I could veered see that. off into this. Because I honestly, about three quarters of the way through the movie, realized that the demon um, fed on your fear. It took like four deaths before uh, I realized yeah. what the hell was going on. I know, me too. <laughs> I was like, um, and okay. I, I think also like, um, you know, the LGBT thing. It's like I loved it as well, and it's also they weren't like stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Like, even though Hugo's kind of like um, stereotypical gay man character, he's also pretty got like you know some depth, and it's like you find out his fear is like being mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. and it's like he kind of puts on this like over the top persona to hide that vulnerable part mm-hmm. of himself. And I just wanted to like hug him. I know. <laughs> it's like I'll go to Spain with you. He Come was... on, let's go. I know his uh friendship with the other the main girl was very um very relatable and felt it, realistic. It, re- it reminded me of my relationship with my cousin. My my cousin Ryan, I I refer to him as my little brother. And he came out to me when he was I think 17, 16, 17. And he literally got in my car and was crying. And I was like, what is wrong? And he's like, I have to tell you something. And he told me this whole big long story. And I went, yeah, I know. Can we go to dinner now? <laughs> like, because it, it's not anything that's a big deal for, like, it is a big deal for some people. I shouldn't say that. But it, I mean, to my family, it's not a big deal. And it reminded me of my relationship with him because he was the, he was my man of honor at my wedding. You know, like, that's how close Aww. of a relationship we have. And he also will mm-hmm. call me and go, yes, queen, um, we need to talk about this. And be completely off the rails. <laughs> but he's getting a doctorate in gender studies and, you know, in LGBTQ um, psychology and things like that. His doctorate is, like, this ridiculously long thing that I'm like, what? And then he'll turn around and he'll sit down with me and, you know have a kiki over you know RuPaul <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like that's like that's the kind of thing that I think Hugo is and I think that's the kind of character it is and as much as this movie was kind of meh overall the movie was kind of meh the plot was sucky the characters were great yeah you know? yeah it had a lot of potential yeah. and I I think they just needed better writers yeah. <laughs> I think I think and I think that's the other thing too is that the actors that were in it did what they could with what they had 
And I yeah, think that definitely. was definitely I didn't like the end of the movie though, where all of a sudden I, I liked. I know. I liked the what old, the fuck was well, that? Well, I liked the old man cleaning up the house and like taking everything downstairs. And basically, if what's if Mackenzie, the the lead girl there, if she had turned on the light in the damn basement, she would have seen all of the luggage and been like, "Wait, what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> you know. Like, hmm. The ending was so tacked oh, on. It was like, oh, by the way, this guy is, um, you know, and he's just, the, the, he's like doing something for the devil or something. It's tacked on to the point where he looks like, directly the at the camera. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, there were no hints, so we're going to have to just explain it to you slowly. Yeah. The <laughs> only thing that you get that he, hint that you, he might be up to something is he's like fondling the Range Rover earlier in the movie. And that's it. And then he takes the Range Rover and steals it after they're all dead. But I'm like, that's the only hint that you get that he might have something, you know, might, there might be something up with his character. But it's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> if ever a movie I just want to know how he shit, got all of those bodies into that crate. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you looked at the way the legs were positioned, there was a lot of interesting ways that those bodies were in there. <laughs> I know, but it looked, on the inside, it looked like three times the size of what you see yeah. on the outside. I'm like, they're not, there's not six people in that box. Eh, just member a couple of them. You'll get them all in there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got nothing else to mention, really. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more, but I think Christmas presents kind of, kind of, like, took it for the... The the win yeah. in the worst yeah. category. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm interested to watch it again too, just to kind of see if maybe I did miss something, that maybe there is something that I wasn't paying attention to, and just because I I literally walked away to go grab a sandwich and and forgot to pause it, and I missed the entire introduction of the evil presence. I just came back after someone had died, and I was like, oh, somebody's dead. And that's it. Like, I saw Hugo mm-hmm. get killed, and that was it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, somebody's dead. No idea. And you didn't even really see him get killed. You just see him look yeah. scared. And I was like, <laughs> and, well, he started crying, and I was like, oh, <laughs> can I give you a hug? Like, please. <laughs> I know. Oh. Any any of you guys got anything nope, else to talk I, about? Nope, uh, we've covered everything that I wanted to talk about, for sure. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to watch the elf. I quit it. It was similarly discombobulated in a way that didn't make sense. And there was like so many lines of dialogue along the lines of, uh, "This is how you feel about this, right?" And just, like, just total like crappy exposition showing. Uh, oh, <laughs> so bad. So just shoehorned in there, and uh, it it. Rem- like yes, like both the elf and secret or not secret Santa Christmas presents have potential, and then they just shit the bed, which I that's one of the worst things about it, it could, because it makes it not enjoyably bad. Like I can't wa- I don't want to go watch those movies mm-hmm. as fun bad movies. They're just bad and they're unenjoyable and it just it's a mess. Um, some we mentioned stabbing. In Christmas presents, and I forgot to mention with Santa's sleigh, he stabs a uh, a mugger. Santa Claus stabs a mugger <laughs> with a sharpened Christmas cane, and I'm surprised that 
I'm surprised that that hasn't happened in Christmas horror movies before, because anyone who's ever sucked on a candy cane, you get it to this fine point, and you can't help but look at it and go, well, this could really do some damage if you just, like, poke someone in the mouth and get it to a fine point. (laughs) So I I appreciated that in Santa's sleigh. I know, that is pretty clever. It's surprising that... I think a lot of people that just, like, throw these movies out there, they're just trying to get money, and they're just kind of going with the cliches of, like, what's worked in the Mm. past. Well, the the luggage at the end of Christmas presents, I I just, it it jarred the hell out of me as I'm watching it, because I go, oh, so he does this, like, apparently to, like, multiple, numerous people. He gets them to come into this house, and this demon presence destroys them all so apparently like it, this is not specific to this main character when earlier in the movie I thought oh it's super specific to this main character because she says this is very close to the last place that I saw my yeah, sister yeah yeah it's kind of weird like that but then a, a, apparently the old guy is just running some like trap for tourists to come get killed by a demon presence and the other thing that um through me is at a certain point the um, the main character in Christmas Presents like hallucinates yeah, that, that Hugo was is still alive <laughs> and she ties up yeah but like that I has know. nothing to do with her fear like she doesn't fear like all her friends conspiring against her and then there's only like a three minute scene where she turns on her friends but then once she realizes that they're not in on it. She's yeah, like, okay, cool, you're back on my team. they should have, like, just gone with team. that because that was pretty interesting. And then they totally resolved it, like, really fast. I was like, okay, that was that was whatever. And then you never saw, like, the fake Hugo again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is. It's a terrible movie. I don't, and I don't want to go back and rewatch it because <laughs> I don't think there's I will never watch it again. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining us for Christmas Horror. Let us know what your favorite and least favorite Christmas horror movies are because there are still so many more out there that I need to see and we all need to see. It's one of my, if not my, favorite genres. Christmas slashers combined would be the best genre. And unfortunately, there just aren't enough good ones. So thank you. Next time we will be talking about our top eight movies of the last eight years so join us for that and until then merry christmas good night <laughs> merry christmas i'm gonna be that guy happy merry holidays <laughs> <You bitch. laughs>